get a little jingle in your pocket. You're like, I really want to attack this money game, make sure I'm doing it right. But where do I put my money? Do I go 401k match? Do I pay off credit card debt? How about emergency reserves? Wouldn't it be great if there was a resource where I'd know exactly where to put my money and when? Guess what, guys? Money Guy Show is going to bring you Order of Operations Money Edition today. Hang in there. It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy. So, Bo, I know we always like to give where in the world did our show topics come from. Right. This one came from... I was hanging out in the coolest place, LinkedIn. Okay, yep, where all the professionals and, hang out. And, you know, and I'm, I'm scrolling through my LinkedIn app, and, and I noticed there was this cool little math problem, but it only used geometric shapes. You okay. know, something like triangle was one variable, square or something else. And it was really simple math, like addition, you know, multiplication, and things like that. And I was shocked at how many different answers there were. And then it hit me, the reason the answers were all over the place is because people totally forgot. And I think it's because once you get out of K through 12 education, you just, your math falls on your phone with, you know, just you add, you subtract, right. you multiply. And we all forget order of operations. Do you remember order of operations from school? Yeah, there's some stuff that if it's in the equation, you got to do it first before you do the other stuff. Yeah, everybody was missing it on, and it was kind of a trick question, the fact that they were doing addition before the multiplication. Well, we all know order order of operations math size, on the math side of things, you got to do the multiplication before you do the addition. Right. And that's what everybody was missing out. So I, I thought it was kind of cool. So I even did a little Google search to, to make sure I understood things. And you remember there was an acronym that helped you understand order of operations for math. Do you remember? They they must have done away with the acronym when I came through. Well, this is what's on Google. Okay. When you go put it out there, I don't want anybody to think I'm actually this smart to remember this stuff from the whatever grade. Way back. Whatever grade they teach you this, but P-E-M-D-A-S, PEMDAS. PEMDAS. Yeah, and what that stands for is parentheses first, then exponents, then multiplication and division, and then addition and subtraction. That's the order of operations. Okay. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a money? A money addition of that. Yeah, a money side of this. So you know exactly where to put your money in which order of operation. So what I came up with was D-M-C-E-R-M-H-A-D. Demerisakad. Hold on, let me let me see. Hold on, I need to sound that out. <laughs> Give, see if you sound that out better than me. Nope, I think you nailed it. That's it. <laughs> so it, it's not going to catch on. No, I don't think that's obviously that's not going to catch on. But I still think the it, it it still works to be a good resource for our listeners. So we we are going to I'm going to go through and let me kind of go through these in order, and then we're going to give them some money kind of flavor. Okay. Um, deductibles covered, match from your employer, credit cards, emergency reserves. Roth contributions, max out retirement options, hyperaccumulation, and then debt prepayment. Okay. So if you take the first letter from all that, you get Demarcahod. That's horrible. Nobody's ever going to yeah, use I that. I don't think that's going to stick. But any, <laughs> anyway, it's still, uh, this is going to be very valuable for somebody who's trying to figure out order of operations of things. Um, 
Just in case you guys have stumbled in here and you're like, where in the world? This is the Money Guy Show. You can go check us out, moneyguy.com. If you want to write the show, you can write me directly. That's Brian, B-R-I-N at moneyguy.com. You can write my co-host, Mr. Bo Hansen, Bo at moneyguy.com. And remember, by day, we are fee-only wealth managers. We have offices throughout the Southeast, but we work with clients in 30 states. So if you like what you hear, want to take the relationship to the next level, Reach out to us, and we'd be loved. We'd love to talk to you. I don't know what be loved. We'd be loved. But we'd like to talk to you. So let's kind of jump into this boat. The first thing I wrote was deductibles covered. Okay. What do you think of that? Uh, I mean, I think health insurance, right? Deductibles. So if I get into yeah. a pinch, I need to probably have enough money to hit the deductible on my health insurance. Health insurance, uh, you know, auto accidents, because, you know, some people have a $1,000 deductible, $500 deductible. And, and the reason, I, I've seen other people's list. And, you know, you see people, they try to put something like, uh, you know, $1,000 or right. something like that. I was trying to think about things. What could actually happen? And, and your biggest fear when I'm trying to create an order of operation is what happens on that Tuesday afternoon when something quits working or you get in a car accident or something like that. So that's where I came up with deductibles covered. So that way, if you had a, a, a health issue, if you had an auto accident, that you would be covered. And that's kind of your baseline protection. That doesn't mean you're in great shape. It just means you have the baseline sure. protected there. The second thing, and truthfully, number two and three on this list are kind of a coin toss. Okay. I, I really had a hard time because this was my own list that I came up with and brainstormed about. Um, so two and three could be f- reversible. It's kind of a coin flip. But I, I put, um, I guess you could say heads came up, and I put match from your employer. Well, because that's free money, right? Yeah, I mean, we talk about that. We do 401k presentations and other things, and we always talk about you're crazy if you're not taking advantage of your employer match. So that is a little counter to some stuff that we've heard other folks say that uh, you shouldn't go out and get that match until you have a full six months of emergency reserves. Yeah. You're saying you might not need six months. You might just need the deductibles and kind of that baseline little bit saved up. Well, look, I, I want you to have an emergency reserves, and I'm coming back to the emergency reserves, but 100% rate of return – it kind of, you know, on the whole risk reward spectrum, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, I probably want to get that free money. I mean, you start working your first job out of college, they offer you, you know, 3% match dollar for dollar, or maybe it's 50 cents on the dollar for the first 6%. You got to do it. I think so. After you have those deductibles covered, that's why I put the deductibles before is so you could cover the emergency stuff, the very, very, Dangerous, you know, emergencies like sure. medical or, or, you know, an auto accident or something like that. But then, yeah, I, I think it's important. Okay. And, and the second thing, well, I guess the third thing, if you look at the coin toss, was the credit card debt. Ooh. You know, credit cards have a very high interest rate after you make it past the promotion periods. And it can, and it can kind of be one of those interest rates where it can be punitive. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it is kind of a coin flip between the matching um, as well as from um, the credit card debt, because I mean, if you're paying 13%, do we, yeah, we hope that you make 13% with your investments, but is that something you can count on? I don't think so. Whereas you know you're going to be paying 13 to 17% with your credit card company. So you really need to be aggressive with paying off your credit cards. And, and remember, I like credit cards as a tool. You know, I'm not a big credit card person that wants people carrying balances because there's a lot of benefits with credit cards with 
you know, travel rewards um, with additional travel protection, as well as extending your warranties. I mean, there's all kind of benefits, plus there's a convenience factor, but you got to be responsible. If you're not doing the responsible management of your credit cards, you need to be careful because that, that's a that's something that if you're not paying it off monthly, you need to recognize you might have some some concerns with your debt management side of things. Sure. Um, moving on, and I think people would be surprised, the very next one I had was emergency reserves. Okay. And I had listed, and, and people have been listening to the Money Guy show for a while, well, no, when I talk about emergency reserves, I say three to six months. How do you know which one makes and, sense? And that's, that's the, that's the next thing. Cause everybody always says, well, Brian, am I, am I three months? Am I six months? And I think you as an individual, you have to kind of internalize what is, what do my career prospects look like? If I, if I left my job, how long would it take to get a new job? If it's going to take me, if I knew I could walk down the street and get another job because I'm in a very marketable career, then maybe three months. But if you're in a job where it's going to take you a long time to get the job, six months. But also there's other things that go into play. What if you're in, you have a lot of people counting on you. You know, there, there's a lot of, maybe you have a lot of dependents. Mm-hmm. You have a stay-at-home spouse. Um, you probably want to have a little bit extra. I know for my own comfort, if, you, if you've got a lot of people relying upon you, you want to have a little bit extra cushion. Also, if you're in a... Um, maybe you're a sales rep or somebody who gets huge commission checks and you're only paid quarterly, or maybe it's very cyclical based upon where we are in the year. Christmas season, you get paid more. You probably need to keep a little bit extra too, just because you don't want to get caught in a situation where, where money feels tight for you. After you move past the emergency reserves, I like Roth contributions. Okay. Roth contributions, because think about this. This is what, what's the big deal with Roth? Roth is awesome in the fact that it's tax-free growth. The government has created a system where they say, wait a minute, we've got to come up with some way to encourage our public to save for the future. They already know Social Security, ah, it's kind of it's kind of on shaky ground. Right. They, they don't know how how stable and how long, especially for us younger people. You see that I put myself on the younger us, side. Us younger, younger people. people probably are not going to get the same benefits that their grandparents got. So the government's trying to incentivize your behavior to start saving for yourself. And one of the things they came up with, and this is back in the 90s, was Roth, which okay. is tax-free. So you could potentially put $10,000 in a, an investment when you're in your 20s, let it grow, and when you go to retirement, that $10,000, did I say 20 or did I say 20? Uh, when you put 10 in, it could be worth fifty, sixty, seventy thousand yeah. dollars. Say it's worth sixty. That fifty thousand dollars of growth would be completely tax free, and that that's powerful stuff. So you you've got to figure out how can I get some of that tax free growth, so that hopefully when I get to retirement, I can play the tax game. I can manipulate the tax code. If you have enough Roth assets, think about this. We talk about diversification with the pizza pie chart mm-hmm. with your assets where you want to have bonds, you want to have stocks, you want to have real estate and all these in all these different things for diversification. There's no difference with tax diversification. When you get to retirement, if you really want to maximize a great retirement, have different pots to pull from. You could have your taxable money, you could have your tax deferred money like your 401k's, your 403b's, your simples and seps, and then you could have your Roth money which could be your your Roth 401ks, your Roth 403bs, and your Roth IRAs, then since that's tax-free, you got tax-deferred, and you've got after-tax, you could manipulate and basically decide how much taxes you want to pay every year. So So That's powerful. You brought up something interesting, Brian. If I'm someone uh, who my employer makes available the Roth 401k, instead of opening up a separate Roth IRA, should I just contribute more to that Roth 401k? 
I mean, you could. I mean, there's nothing wrong with with. I think it's. It depends on really how much you can save. If you can, if you can do both, that's outstanding. I think if you can only do one, I kind of like how the Roth 401k has that ERISA protection. Mm-hmm. It has some additional creditor protection. Um, that's pretty powerful stuff. But I think you do run into when you get older, closer to that 70 mark. The, don't the Roth 401ks have a, a catch where they, they require some additional distributions? Whereas the Roth IRAs, I don't know that they have the, 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 I don't think that code section's written the same way. So I think it's, while you're younger, stay on the Roth 401k because of the ERISA protection. But I think as you're older, you probably want to have the Roth IRA just so you have more flexibility. And I know so you don't have any MRD or any type of requirements um, to, to withdraw. You're looking at me like you're nervous on that code section. No, no, no. I uh... we'll, put, we'll look at that up. And if, if you're watching the video, you get a little extra tidbit <laughs> there while you see while we do some due diligence on it. So we'll, we'll figure that part out. So I, I do have a thought on that. Just something. And again... I yeah. just all the options here, right? I personally kind of like the thought of doing the Roth IRA. I do think the ERISA protection is incredibly valuable, but I do think the Roth has two options that are pretty pretty unique. Right. Uh, one, you don't have any constrained investment options. That's true. So if you're with a 401k that's maybe high cost or or has someone managing it, but even though you're picking the the investments, there's an investment advisor. It might be a little bit less expensive to do a Roth IRA. Right. And then one really unique thing that, that a lot of people don't recognize about Roth IRAs. Uh, and this is something that you would never want to exercise, but you actually always have the ability to pull the basis out oh, of a sure, Roth IRA. Sure. So you can treat you it like a cash reserves if you really got in a cruddy situation. If things situation. got into a pickle. I yeah. don't know if you're doing with Roth 401k if you still have the option no. to pull that money out. Those in-service distributions typically are a hard thing to get. So I think we, we what's funny is we got to the same side of the ball with it going completely different directions and the fact that I think there is some value to the ERISA side of things, mm-hmm. but I, by all means, I think you're right. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things and I've seen it with clients where you do Roth contributions on your IRA side and then you get in some type of really bad situation and you can get access to some of the, those initial contributions. That's pretty powerful. So I, I'm seeing confirmation of, of 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 the things. See, look at that. That's that's the old CPA background <laughs> kicking in. But um, just so just so our listeners know, you can do fifty five hundred dollars a year for for you know Roth accounts and traditional IRAs. If you're over fifty, that number goes up to sixty five hundred dollars. So um, Roth contributions really powerful if you're looking at order of operations. The next thing I had after you get through the Roth contributions, max out the retirement. You know, when I, and that, when I talk about that, I'm meaning your 401k, your 403b, your simples and your SEPs, those type of things if you're self-employed. You know, after you've gone through the order of operations, you, you can come back and do those tax-favored savings techniques. And that's that's what really what we wanted you to do is after you've still got additional money after going through the cash reserves, after going through um, the Roth contributions, why not figure out if we can, you know, from a tax advantage standpoint, go max out those Roth, uh, those retirement accounts. So in 2016, the maximum that you can do on a salary deferral basis is $18,000 into a 401k. If you're over 50, there's an additional 6,000, so 24. How do I know if I do have an employer who makes available the Roth option? How do I know? Should I do the pre-tax traditional 401k? Should I do the Roth 401k? Should I split it? Right. How do I make that determination? And, and this is, this is kind of touchy because I'm, I'm going to give you my opinion. And this is what we tell other clients. And this is the way I based off of my own personal money too, is that I think once you get past the 25% tax bracket, 
you ought to be pre-tax. Okay. Um, just because I'm hopeful that you will have that tax diversification that I mentioned earlier, where you'll have taxable money, tax deferred money, and then tax free money that when you retire, you're going to have a few years before you reach that 70 and a half to manipulate the tax code and really kind of play with the tax game. Sure. Whereas, um, you know, once you get past a 25% tax rate, I don't know. It just, I hate paying the government more money than you need to initially. And that, so in my brain, it's around the 25% cutoff. Because, okay. I mean, at pre-tax, every dollar you put in is essentially saving you a quarter on taxes. Yeah, the government is funding a quarter of your contributions if you do it on the, on the, on the pre-tax side, um, the traditional contributions. So that, that's a great question. And it's one that, you know, you'll get different opinions depending upon who you talk to. Sure. But I want to give you the tax logic behind why we think that you have to exceed the 25% bracket. Um, the next goal I had on the order of operations was the hyper accumulation goal or becoming a smart saver. Um, this is one of those things after you've gone through all the other orders of operations, you still have additional money. What's the next step? We want you to be saving at least 15 to 20% of your gross income. Now, I, I know that's a harder thing to do when you first come out, but down the road, I think it's, it's, it's a very viable option. So it seems like the old rule of thumb, Brian, used to be 10%, right? Just right. save 10% uh, of what you make and you'll be set. But you said 15 to 20. Right. Why the disconnect? Why the number change? Well, society changed. The financial world changed. You know, we no longer have pensions. Some people have pensions. You know, uh, you know, I still. My mother was a a school teacher. She has a government pension. You know, from the school system. Uh, um, She's remarried since my dad passed away, and he's got military pensions. Those are great pensions. They're still out there. If you're a school teacher, if you work for the government, those are great pensions. But very rarely do you see in the private sector pensions anymore. I mean, matter of fact. You know, as we saw from the 2008 collapse and other things, a lot of companies have tried to use the bankruptcy laws to shed some of that responsibility of the pensions. Mm-hmm. So by doing away with the pensions and now going to define contribution plans, it now falls on your shoulders. And, and that's, a, that's a risky in the standpoint that it's now on you. I'd rather you be conservative and, and save that 15 to 20% so that you don't get to your 60s and 70s and you go, oh, my God, you know. Where's my safety net? Right. Because Social Security is only going to provide so much, if it's even there. Right. I'd rather you be conservative and make sure you save enough for the future. So that, that's, that's why the financial world has evolved. You know, we all changed around the 80s and 90s to where pensions kind of went the way they went extinct. So take advantage. If you have one, God bless you, but it's just you don't see them as much as you used to. Um, the last step I had on order of operations, debt prepayment. You know, this is one of those things after you've gone through all the other steps and I'll review them here in a second. I see nothing wrong. You know, I tell people when we, when we talk to prospects and also when we're talking on the podcast, when you retire or when you want to be considered truly financially independent, I'd like you to be completely debt free. And that means mortgages. That means student loans. I, I don't want you to own any debt when you're at that financial independence point. So the way you're going to make that happen is if you do have extra money, you can prepay it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I, look, I know, and Bo, you and I had this whole discussion. Yep. I mean, last week with my own personal situation, um, there is a balance there because analytically you can make an argument, especially with how low interest rates are now. I mean, we have mortgages that are below 4%. You have to say, analytically, I think I can make more money 
But as you get closer to retirement, I think there is a huge psychological benefit of being completely debt-free. Because when you leave the workforce, guys, you don't understand the stress that comes to you that first time the market has a hiccup where it loses 10 to 15%. Now, instead of working with your back, your hands, and your brain, you're working off of, hey, what's my portfolio doing for me? It's scary. Uh, We deal with it with every one of our clients who goes into the workforce uh, who leaves the workforce, I should say, and switches that switch from saver to spender or consumer of their resources, it helps out tremendously on them being nervous and being fearful if they don't have debt. Sure. And, that, and that's, that's, it's, a, it's a psychological benefit more than an analytical benefit. You know, and that's one of the things that, that we always work through with our clients. So let me review the list again. Are you going to say the acronym again? I can't I think, do it. I think that's valuable. Yeah, if if people people quickly realize I was much better on the SAT and ACT on mathematics when they hear me try to sound out that acronym. So we'll probably leave that behind. But um, I put here's the order. I'm going to go through this quickly. First, on your order of operations, deductibles covered, match from employer, credit card, emergency reserves, Roth contributions, max out retirement options, hyperaccumulation, debt prepayment. I think we covered it, Bo. I love it. So I do have so I have a few questions, and I kind of, okay. we're going to hit on that because I was kind of thinking about it as we went through it. Cash, right? Emergency reserves. Once we do get to that three to six months, right. we just leave that sitting in the checking account. Where, where do we put that money? I, I'm always amazed, and you know, I, I'll use a southern term. Bless their heart. Bless you know, when, heart. when you talk about people who have their emergency reserves, it's your traditional brick and mortar banks. And they're earning less than a quarter of a percent, if they're even getting a quarter of a percent, when they could easily go to maybe one of your local banks or a credit union or one of the online options that's out there. And they're all paying close to, you know, somewhere between three quarters of a percent to, to right under one percent. Right. That's where your reserves ought to be. Make sure you still get the FDIC insurance, get the, make sure it's insured and protected, but don't, don't walk away from that money. And, you know, you like, Brian, well, one percent, that's not exactly, that's not setting any, you know, land speed records or anything like that. And I always say, yeah, but it could, zero percent, it could right? be buying your family a meal every month. Mm-hmm. If you think about the interest that you're walking away from, it could, it could, it could pay for something. Um, okay. You mentioned, I think after merch reserves, you talked about Roth IRAs. Well, what if, um, I'm in a career field where my income is high or maybe I'm married. And if you look at a household income, we're not able to contribute to Roth anymore. Does that mean that just from now until retirement, we don't have an option to build up tax-free assets? No, there's definitely. No, I will tell you, we have to be careful because I, I don't like. We don't give custom, personalized advice on the podcast. You know, so if you're in one of those situations where your income is exceeded and you need to, you know, see where you exactly fall out with things, I want you to reach out to us, um, and you can go back to those those email addresses that I gave out earlier. Or go to moneyguy.com to reach out. But here's, here's my thought is that there are still all, there's things called the backdoor Roth contributions where you can essentially send or make sure you don't have any IRA accounts by sending your money to your 401k, assuming you have a good 401k. Because recognize there's still a lot of Americans that are in horrible, high priced 401k plans. So you're probably not going to want to do that. You're going to want to have that benefit of an IRA where you can go choose where your money's going at a super low-cost, inexpensive way. Um, but some people do have super low-cost. If you work for a Fortune 500 company, more than likely you have access to a super low-cost 401K, and you could 
roll your IRA balances into that, and then there's potential down the road you could do some backdoor Roth contributions. So even if you, your income is above the phase-out, you're saying there's still some options. There's some planning opportunities currently. Now, I did see, you know, they always come out with a wish list at the end of the year where they come out with um, tax policies and other things. I saw President Obama had some things on, you know, his tax thoughts. And it, this was one of the things that was on the list. Right. Of, so it's 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 still legal. It's still viable. But um, just like we saw some of the biggest planning opportunities in Social Security just whoosh. Went away. I mean, they're going away here in the next month. Mm-hmm. I mean, end of April, yeah, I think, right. is when they all go away. So it's, it's not uncommon for the government to be able to change rules. But that's why you need to be proactive with your finances now. Take advantage of these things while there is a window of opportunity. You mentioned a second ago, if you have a 401k that's really high fee, high cost, and maybe it doesn't make sense to roll outside assets in there. If I have either a, an expensive 401k, maybe managed by an insurance company with a bunch of commission-based investment options, or maybe my employer doesn't even offer a match, should I still take advantage of doing the 401k if I'm kind of moving down the list? I mean, does the tax incentive there it, still It all make depends it? on how, how high your income is. Obviously... I mean, you have to love the one you're with. If you're in the highest tax bracket, let's say your income starts getting around 250, 300. I mean, you know, anywhere that puts you in over 30% tax rate. And you say you live in a high tax state too, because realize when you save that money by doing pre-tax, you're also saving the state income taxes. I think you do. You have to suck it up, hold your nose and, um, see if they have some type of low cost, large cap investment. And maybe you you spread your diversification somewhere else, or maybe they have a great bond fund um, that's as low cheap as possible right. within that high price plan. Or you know, I, I will let me give some credit to to because you picked on insurance companies. One thing the insurance four hundred one k plans do a great job with stable value. Oh yeah. I mean, how often do we see a, an insurance based four hundred one k plan that have a stable stable value fund? Um, which is, you know, essentially like cash, mm-hmm. but it'll be paying like three and a half percent. I mean, if you have something like that, there's nothing wrong with, you know, diversifying and then keeping, taking advantage of that. So I, I like to be an equal opportunity where we pick on somebody, but we also tell you where they, they at least have, you know, some lipstick on that, on, on that bad situation. Uh, uh, and then my last question, you said that, uh, our goal needs to be saving 15 to 20 percent of our gross income for the future. But what about, how do I, how do I reconcile saving for retirement with like short-term goals? Maybe, I, you know, there's a new car on the horizon or a trip that we're planning for. Does, do I get to include that money in the 15 to 20% or do I have to save even more above and beyond that? No, I, I think those are completely separate things. The short-term goals are separate from the long-term. But I, I, I do want to give a caveat because I think a lot of people, especially if you're under 35 years of age and you hear that, it's hard, guys. I get life is expensive, especially if you're starting to get to those years where you're married, you're starting to think about growing a family. It's tight. I get it. You know, and, and I give you this order of operations and we, you know, and it's so easy to read a list and make it sound so simple. Just tick through this list and, and uh, that sounds great. And, but I recognize, guys, this, this will take decades. Um, if you, if you can knock this out before you're 30 years of age, you're killing it. You're doing great. And, you know, and you, and you should give us you. a call. Yeah. Give us a call. I mean, I, that's, that's kind of the angle I was going, but I mean, it is one of those things. So I just, I don't want my listeners to hear this show and then get frustrated because they go, God, you guys make this sound so easy that, but you assume everybody's making this great. No, I don't assume that. I'm just trying to make sure that we spread this thing out to where we educate 
and provide the advice so that it fits everybody. Because remember, I can't give you personalized advice on a podcast, but I can come up with something that I think will hopefully hit the majority of our listeners out there. So, well, guys, love doing the show. Hopefully, our nerdy acronym that we came up with, even though it's not... What was that acronym again, Brian? (laughs) Okay, I'll do it one more time for your enjoyment. Demersahad. Demersahad. What do you think? It's deductibles covered, match from employer, credit card, emergency reserves, Roth contributions, max out retirement options, hyperaccumulation, and then debt prepayment. So I think we covered all of the money edition of order of operations. Reach out to us or go to the website moneyguy.com. You can connect with all the social media things that we have going on, whether it's Twitter, you know, whether it's Facebook. But go check out the show. You can pull it on our show notes. You can also register on the free side of things just so you can stay connected with us. If you want to write the show directly, you can write me, Brian, at moneyguy.com. You can write Bo, B-O, at moneyguy.com. And remember, work with clients in 30 states. If you want to take the relationship to the next level, we're your guys. Reach out to us. We'll talk to you in about two weeks. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. See you.